Hello, this is Isaac Haney Owens, your host of the Kelsey's Leaders for Inclusive Community podcast. As a part of Affordable Housing Month, I'm interviewing individuals about housing developments, policies, and funding that can help advance disability forward housing solutions and learn more about their own work within the affordable housing field. By participating in a project like this, the designers and the architects and the other folks, the general contractors that are all involved in helping to put a project together like the Kelsey Air Station, learn something and take that away you know, from the project and have the ability to, to use that in future home building efforts. Today, Friday, May 21st, I'm interviewing Olia, Assistant Vice President of Residential Development and Todd, Chief Development Officer of Residential Development at Sarah's Regis Group of Northern California. Let's get started. Thanks for joining me today. I'm really excited to talk with you both, uh, both of you. To begin, can you tell me where you work and your role? Absolutely, Isaac, really nice talking to you today. Uh, my name is Olia. I work at Sarah's Regis. I'm an Assistant Vice President for the Residential Development Division. And uh, Isaac, thank you for having us. My name is Todd, and uh, I'm with Saris Regis Group as well here in Northern California. And I am the Chief Development Officer and run our Residential uh, Development Division. We build all types of housing, and uh, we're very excited to join you today. How long have you both been working there? You know, it's actually interesting. I was just thinking about that. In June is going to be seven years, and uh, it's an it's an interesting date because up until I joined uh, Saris Regis, the longest job I've ever had was two years maximum, and I started working when I was fifteen. So that tells you that uh, I'm I'm enjoying I'm enjoying my time here. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Olya, because I, I've been here thirty one years. Uh, since the company was founded. And I think one, one of the things that uh, we, we notice, Isaac, is that folks tend to stay um, at our company uh, a, a pretty long time. Um, and uh, I think they really in, enjoy what they do in, in contributing to um, building housing here in Northern California. What's one exciting, interesting thing that any of you are working on right now in housing? I probably would have to say this project, uh, the Kelsey Air Station and our partnership with uh, uh, the Kelsey and Divine and Long, that's definitely been for me uh, one of the more exciting projects because of the you know unique mission. Um, and I, I've been um, kind of uh, inspired to think about housing in a slightly different manner than I have come to think about it before, especially through the lens of accessibility. Yeah, oh, yeah I, I'd agree that I, I think the Kelsey Air Station is um, super exciting uh, for, for me, it's for our whole organization. Um, I think another interesting project that we're working on as well, Isaac, is we're um, re rebuilding downtown Sunnyvale, um, which is kind of a, a, it's a former mall 
and it's being converted into um, a, a real downtown with um, you know shops and in housing and in offices um, right at the train station. And so we're very excited and, and happy to be involved with something at that scale as well. Does affordable housing all look the same? Interesting question. Um, it really doesn't. I, I have to say, and I'm still uh, learning about the field. Um, I actually just recently joined the board of directors at Alta Housing, uh, formerly Palo Alto Housing, uh, an organization that's been around for, oh, I think something like 50 years. Um, and they've been developing affordable housing, mostly in Palo Alto, but recently branched that uh, rebranded and brand, you know, is, are branching out to nearby jurisdictions. And um, I had uh, the benefit of getting an orientation uh, from them on their, uh, you know, for former projects and current projects in the pipeline. And I have to say, um, I was uh, pleasantly surprised how different and unique each project looks and, um, you know, the way it fits into a, a surrounding context. Um, some of the buildings I've passed by, I, uh, you know, on, on, my, on my walks and bicycle rides, and I didn't know it was an affordable housing project. So I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, and I, I would add, Isaac, that um, over the years, the types of um, funding and sources of financing available for affordable housing has, has really resulted in sort of a, um, a stratification is the wrong word, but um, almost a, a breakdown of housing into various categories and um, it's, it's a shame that that sort of has happened because um, it, it has created gaps in the types of uh, housing uh, that is available out there. And the, the, the need for affordable housing is vast at a wide range of income and need levels. And the financing sources that have been available over the years really hasn't addressed that. And so that, that's an area that needs a lot of attention and a lot of focus, I think, in the years to come to better match the financing with the types of housing communities really need. And what are your both thoughts on Senate Bill 7 that, Pat, that got signed into law recently by the governor that was authored by Scott Weiner? I actually need a, a bit of a refresher on what the bill proposes. It's... Uh, it's it extends the California Environmental Quality Act and makes it easier to create housing that meets environmental needs. Yeah, I think what I, what I would comment on, um, in addition to the financing and the way it's been sort of stratified um, over the years, you know, na neighborhood and community, um, opposition is really a strong word, but um, concerns over change in their community. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily concerns related to affordable housing uh, per se, but you know, change in a community um, is, is always something that is um, difficult to work through. Um, that has been a, a major um, reason why enough housing hasn't been produced to meet the need. And anything that you know, can be done to help streamline uh, the process for allowing housing to go forward, I think, is, is a step in the right direction. 
and also educating these residents about the benefits of affordable housing so that they are more willing, more open to affordable housing coming to their community. No, that's exactly right. And what communities really need, uh, you know, basically to, act, to, to create a stable place where people can, you know, live long term and, and grow and find different types of housing as their needs change or as their means change over time. They, they really need, communities need a ladder of different types of housing in different levels of affordability. And uh, that's a good thing for a community. It allows people to stay in a community and really add stability uh, long term. And so um, you're right. Education really is the key. People just need to understand that. Is something missing in the housing industry that could make more developers build more affordable housing or to build more accessible housing? Great question, Isaac. I think uh, between Todd and I, we can come up with a very long list. <laughs> um, so maybe, true. <laughs> Todd, uh, maybe I'll name one and you can name one and we can trade Certainly. off a little bit. So yeah. Isaac, I think one one idea, you know, and this is for me, uh, the Kelsey Air Station is the first affordable project I, I've worked on. Um, so it's been really eye-opening how financing comes together in a, on an affordable deal. And uh, it's certainly a lot more complex uh, and challenging than um, putting together a source of financing for a market rate project, uh, mostly because, you know, you're dealing with a number of public agencies and you're cobbling together, you know, I'm going to say bits and pieces together and you end up with, you know, a collection of funding sources, often more than five, that really all need to sort of agree and come together and uh, uh, infuse this cash into the project at one point in time, right before we start construction. And it's it's challenging uh, coordinating those different agencies. Right. And um, in addition to that, a couple of things, um, you know, thinking about accessibility in, in general, it really is an issue of education and awareness, uh, Isaac, and, and visibility. I think that's really important. Accessibility is really good for all of us. And uh, we, we just we're not used to thinking that way or a lot of uh, folks aren't. So, you know, uh, again, change whatever it is many times is uh, difficult because modern life can be difficult today. You know, we're, we're pulled in so many different directions and our attention um, is, uh, you know, is uh, valuable. And so a lot of, a lot of different people are, are looking for our attention. And so we, we, we need to be able to pull people's attention to the, the needs of the community and the needs of uh, those with um, access or, or, you know, or disabilities. And so I think that that's important. So again, education and awareness. But the other thing, Isaac, that we see is um, the, the missing middle housing, which is for folks in the middle income range. Um, that is not being built um, either. And that's a very important piece of the housing ladder. And if that type of housing isn't being built, what you have is you have folks with more means in a community um, living in homes that, you know, could be available for folks that uh, have lesser means. And so they tend to drive up the uh, costs of housing if not enough has been provided. So providing missing middle housing 
is, is a very important piece of the puzzle as well. And right now, there really aren't any um, many sources for financing that type of housing, and that needs to be solved. That really is a big part of the uh, equation. So that there is a continuous ladder, so to speak, so that you have an entry point, you know, at maybe a, a very low or low, you know, level of income, and then you can kind of progress if, if you're so so able, uh, you know, to middle income and, and, and hopefully to market rate housing eventually. That's exactly right. You don't want to have to leave the community. You know, your kids are in school and the like. If, as, as your means change over time, you want to be able to stay in that broader community. And it would be nice if housing was available to accommodate you as you uh, move uh, in that direction. People with disabilities aren't always considered when people build housing. What suggestions do you have for developers who aren't currently designing with accessibility and inclusion in, in mind? Well, I think Todd hit it on the head uh, a little earlier when he said, you know, visibility is sort of at the forefront, which is actually why, you know, we, I think we were also excited to support uh, the Kelsey. Uh, with with the unique mission mission of bringing some of these uh, considerations uh, to the forefront and to light, so I think um, we're we're well on our way, and I think we've learned some. I've definitely learned some lessons about how I look at a design space and consider, um, you know, users of all abilities in that in that space and how they will interact with that environment. And I think the the more we continue to sort of talk about it and make it um, more, um, that information more accessible to designers and developers, uh, the more we'll see inclusive uh, buildings built. Right, and in addition to that, I mean, it, it's, it's not only just the visibility within um, the public sphere, it's also by, by participating in a project like this, the designers and the architects and the other folks the general contractors that are all involved in helping to put a project together like the Kelsey Air Station learn something and take that away, you know, from the project and have the ability to, to use that in future um, home building efforts. And so that that's a good thing. And I, so I think the Kelsey, I really have to applaud them as an organization for pushing hard for this and being out there in the forefront and the advocacy work that they do. It really affects a lot of different people and it informs a lot of the professionals in the industry as well. What has been more exciting about building affordable housing, inclusive housing at the air station, most challenging, most surprising? Um, boy, the most exciting aspect, I, I think, I think getting to know many of the folks that are affiliated with the Kelsey and understanding what their uh, hopes and desires are for a home um, really adds life to the project. And uh, to me, that's been uh, the most exciting part. I mean, there, there, there are all of the you know, traditional development related um, lessons that we pick up along the way. Those are great and those are important. But, you know, the thing that always gets me and the reason why I, I'm in the housing business is because everybody needs a home. And uh, there's, there's something special about uh, being a provider of homes. And uh, when, you, when you're able to learn and understand um, what future residents want 
and try to figure out ways to provide that for them, that, that's very rewarding and exciting to me. And I'll say, uh, actually, I 100% agree. I think the community that the Kelsey has brought together and, you know, the um, sort of excitement and, and uh, interest that we're seeing from all the participants and all the individuals who are associated with the Kelsey and would like, you know, are supporting the project, both in the community where we're building the project and just the broader community that you guys have uh, brought together. Um, that's been exciting, right? Uh, to, and, and kind of helps infuse a bit of energy into everything we're doing and um, get us focused on the fact that, you know, we're going to be delivering homes soon. Uh, we're going to be starting construction soon and, and, um, uh, folks are going to be moving into these uh, homes in a few years, so it's kind of creating a sense of urgency, but in, in, a, in a very po in positive momentum, I should say. But um, I'll also answer, you know, the challenging part uh, has been that, you, you know, we've been talking from day one with Michaela about this concept of universal design and a universally designed building that's accessible to everyone design is not really defined anywhere um, you know it's it's a I think everybody intuitively understands what that means you know it should be a building that's accessible to everyone of you know all abilities but it's 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 hard to uh, put something on paper that uh, you know hasn't really been developed uh, as an idea more fully and so I know uh, that Kelsey is working very closely with Eric Mickinson to develop a sort of a standard um, system for uh, designers and builders to look at their buildings and make them more accessible. And I think that's a, a absolutely wonderful um, thing to, to be focused on and sort of help those of us who don't uh, always intuitively understand some of the challenges that some people may have in, you know, in these spaces um, and really create a set of tools uh, for designers to use and, and be able to choose from when they're designing their spaces. So I think that's both, both a chat was a challenge and also isn't something exciting that um, uh, this project has brought. And then what are your guys thoughts about the project, the Civic Center project? I, I think it's wonderful, you know, San Francisco. I, I actually lo love the Michaela's idea of building a project in three of the major, you know, cities in, in our in our area and kind of triangulating, if you will, the Bay Area between San Francisco, San Jose, and uh, Oakland. So I, I'm excited to see that project move forward. I, I am, I will say, in, uh, in a, uh, I am excited that we are in San Jose in the Kelsey Air Station. We are likely going to start construction uh, first. So uh, we're a little bit ahead of the game. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully a Civic Center will be right at our heels and we'll start constructions shortly after. And I hope these projects get other developers to rethink their the way they're doing housing and think that they need to include people with disabilities in their projects as well. Absolutely. Because everybody yeah. deserves a place to live regardless of your income. And we shouldn't, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be, anyone shouldn't be excluded because they can't afford the, to rent, uh, rent the units in that, uh, in that housing project. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Why did any of you decide to go into this field? I started in school as a structural engineer. And as I uh, needed to, you know, and look to, to broaden, um, my area of study, I started taking a lot of planning classes, environmental and urban planning classes, and kind of really um, began to appreciate um, the broader 
uh, built environment and how it really affects our lives, people's lives, and how it can either work well with, you know, nature and the environment or against it, and uh, became fascinated with that. Um, I had always had a fascination with um, the concept of home uh, as well. So after I got out of uh, college, I, I decided to go into the um, uh, development industry, the residential development industry, and focus not on you know doing the, the, the structural design, the detailed design of, of buildings, but more the broader design of, of housing communities and how they fit into uh, neighborhoods and how they become a part of the fabric of a city. And that, that was very, very exciting uh, to me, and it still is uh, all these years later. And I somewhat similarly, but a little bit differently, actually started, uh, believe it or not, doing cancer biology when I graduated from college. And, um, you know, try, tried a few different laboratories and sort of learned over time that uh, research is really not where I feel most uh, inspired. Um, you know, there was a lot of uh, research done, you know, with animals as models, and that wasn't uh, my favorite thing to do uh, is to, you know, dissect mice. Uh, but it, it is something that we do for the broader good of the, uh, you know, people a lot of times to develop these, uh, dr you know, tr drug treatments. But anyway, I... Um, started to look uh, for other opportunities to interact interact with bigger teams um, is something I was interested in. And I uh, really came to appreciate uh, all aspects of sustainability and some of the issues that we have with, you know, resource availability like water and energy conservation. And when I was in graduate school at Stanford, um, I realized looking at statistics that we just haven't been building enough housing for many decades you know and uh, I was living in Palo Alto and prices were very high uh, for rental housing and um, you know I come from originally I come from Russia where we mostly have a, apartment buildings and we don't have single family homes everybody lives in high density environments with a lot of open space and uh, Pedestrians are really prioritized versus over cars, and I, I, you know, I remember that from childhood, and always thought it was a very positive environment to grow up in, where I, you know, I can run out on the street and play because there's no cars there. So it's a big boulevard meant for uh, pedestrians. So I, I started thinking about the built environments and um, the fact that we don't have housing, and much like Todd, I'm very passionate. You know, there's something very intimate about homes. It's where we all spend, you know, a lot of our time and see our families grow up and, you know, come together and share all those moments. So those two things really influenced my decision to go into development, especially residential development, A, because we just haven't been building enough housing, uh, which has created a lot of problems in the region. And, and B, it's, it's, it's very exciting. It's, it's a very exciting product type. And so... Um, I look back at, you know, everything I used to do prior to this job. And like I said, I've been here for seven years and all my previous jobs lasted no more than two. So it's been an, definitely an exciting transition. What do you both like about your job? Hmm. 
Boy, well, beyond just the idea of, you know, creating a home for somebody, which, um, again, is very uh, exciting, um, it's working in in helping to shape uh, the built environment in a way that, you know, what you're what you're doing is you're, you're adding something that is useful. Um, and, uh, hopefully what you're, you're not just, you're not just adding it, you're integrating it into a fabric and making that fabric more interesting and, and better, uh, at the end of the day. And, uh, that, um, it's, you have to take a longer view. Uh, it's not just, you know, in any one project, it really is, you know, how, how can you make a community a more full and, and better place uh, at the end of the day? And that's, uh, it's, it's very interesting and, and very exciting to, to think about our business that way. I think, you know, very much like Todd, you know, influencing the built environment is really exciting. It is exciting to, uh, you know, drive by or, or hopefully bicycle by or walk by our projects and uh, know the history of what used to be there. Maybe it was an under, underutilized car wash that now became, you know, 50 units of, um, you know, for sale condos uh, or, or rental apartments or, um, you know, townhomes. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's really this community almost like a community building uh, element to it you know there we're bringing people to places where there were fewer people before and uh, coming to those spaces later and really seeing them activated and being used in a way that hopefully we intended them to be used sometimes maybe not and there are lessons learned um, is is pretty rewarding what what advice do you have for people interested in working in housing <laughs> Perseverance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Boy, um, that that's number one, no doubt about it. I think another very important thing is um, you need to to listen very, very carefully and over a long period of time. Um, it's um, it's a difficult uh, business because um, it's housing is one of the you know shelter. Is, is one of the main things we, we all need, right? We need shelter, food, water, sleep, and, and love, of course, right? And um, so th- those are all essentials of life. And creating shelter, that, you know, working here in a, a more mature area like the Bay Area, what we're doing is, again, we're, we're doing something infill. We're changing something as, as all you mentioned, maybe it's a car wash that, you know, um, doesn't, um, is, has, it has become obsolete, right. And it's in a location that is close to transit and, you know, people should be living at that location. So when we make change, it makes people nervous. And so before you make the change, you really need to listen and understand what the, what the needs are of the community, the real needs, what their what their wishes and desires and concerns and um, issues are, and the the real I think art of this business, um, and and that includes inclusion and affordability and everything else. The real art of this business then is taking that inf- information and crafting uh, a, a project, a, a 
site-specific boutique solution <laughs> that, um, that best addresses everything you've learned. So, and it all starts with listening. For, for my last question, I want to ask you all about Home for More. Home for More is Kelsey's tagline at the Kelsey, and it represents that there are many opportunities and ways to advance housing. For you, what would you like to make Home for More? I think because I grew up in an environment where we mostly had, uh, you know, denser housing that still provided ample sort of open space uh, around. So, you know, I, I hear a lot of concerns often here about taller buildings sort of blocking out the sky or, you know, creating a, a significant strain on resources like worsening traffic. You know, I were in the environment where I grew up, those weren't the negative consequences of denser developments, right? Because again, cars were deprioritized and, uh, you know, people sort of came together to, to, to live in a more communal way than I think um, many communities here live, especially in the single family neighborhood. So I think as I look at our overall, you know, population growth and, and uh, noticing certain trends, uh, um, especially relating to energy consumption and, you know, people who live in a denser environment and who don't own vehicles don't consume as much uh, fossil fuels, fuels and resources in general, you know. Um, I, I think we, in this area, you know, have to kind of grow up. You know, California went from 20 million people 60 years ago to now 40 million people, but our land use patterns and sort of the way we develop buildings and the way we approve buildings really hasn't changed. It's recently started to change. So I think there's there's a there's going to be a sort of a, a, a period of, of evolving in this region into a higher dense, you know, higher density type or, you know, more urban like environment. And I think there's a lot of opportunities there to get it right and sort of get it wrong. And I hope we make the right choices and again, prioritize people over vehicles. So I, I think that's gonna create healthier communities and more opportunities for people to interact with one another in a, in a very positive way. Um, and I, I, I hope that that's our future and uh, we, can, we, can, we can and most definitely will house more people in this positive way in this area, even though we're keeping, you know, I think that I heard a statistic in San Mateo County, 75% of land area is off limits for development, which is great because it's providing all these wonderful open spaces and nature preserves and parks. But in the 25% where we do build buildings, we will have to, you know, um, provide more homes for everyone who wants to be here. And more homes yeah. that are affordable to uh, more people to everybody because yep. sometimes these developers sometimes will do is just build like build an example of 20 for example 25 percent affordable homes and then most are market rate and then it doesn't really help the situate the dire need for more affordable housing it doesn't help and then many people get missed and then never get homes because they're fighting for the limited number of units available in that building right right and so i think i think you know build, building upon that Isaac, what there needs to be, I, I, I believe, again, is um, a, a relook at the financing that's available for uh, affordable and um, below market uh, rate housing. Um, 
there needs to be um, uh, more, um, I, I guess you hear the term sometimes, all of the above, uh, more in, in, of an embrace within a community of a wide range of housing types that are available to help, you know, make that ladder a, a, a reality. Um, I think that that's really important. I think there needs to be um, uh, more efforts to preserve naturally occurring uh, affordable housing and some you know, public uh, financing available to help uh, shore up and renovate some older homes that, you know, have really outlived their uh, useful life when they were originally, you know, built. They were intended to be around for 40 or 50 years and they're 60, 70, 80 years old now and still, you know, um, housing folks, but they need some, they need some help and some uh, repair to the physical um, building. I, I, I think all of that missing middle, that there needs to be uh, more focus on different types of housing financing and incentives available to encourage development of a wide range of housing types. And I think coming out of the, the Kelsey Air Station, you know, more visibility. And when we say all of the above, we're thinking about, um, you know, folks that have uh, various needs other than just, you know, financial uh, considerations. And so that's, that's folks that uh, have, a, you know, visibility uh, issues, uh, accessibility issues. It really does truly need to be all of the above. It needs, it needs to, it needs to address everybody. Thanks for listening. Make sure to check out my other episodes at thekelsey.org slash stories. Have a great day. Have a great day.